0: Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church, Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning. Good morning, I want to welcome you. My name is Heather. I'm one of the pastors here, and especially grateful if you're joining us online this morning. We're glad that you're with us, and especially if you're new, I'm proud of you coming into a church you've never been in before. We're glad you're here, and we hope you really feel welcomed. Uh, Did you know that the Bible is a book all about light? Over 200 times, it's mentioned in the Old and the New Testament, and in fact, It's even bookended by light. Bookended by light. Now think about it. Remember in Genesis? In Genesis, the first creative act of God was to make light. And then at the very end of the book, we see in Revelations that light wins and that it completely obliterates the darkness. And in Revelation 22 5, we read this there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. But between the beginning of creation and the end of time, we see another light come on the scene. The prophet Isaiah actually says this in Isaiah 9-2. He prophesies, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What is this new light source, do we think? Who is this new hope that is dawning? Well, we are in this Lenten series right now called I Am. And Lent really is just a season of preparation leading up to Easter. Can't believe it's right around the corner, right? And here we are in this series. We are looking at the book of John and we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus. And Jesus uses these seven statements to describe not just who he is, but also the realities of the kingdom of God. So what happened when he came to earth? What happened when he chose the cross? What happened when he was raised from the dead? We're gonna learn about the reality of the kingdom of God. So our hope in this series, though, is to shine a little light on Jesus, right? To, to really see who he says he is in his own words, so that we can see Jesus a little clearer, and so that just like at the, the book of John says at the end there, it says, so that you may believe all the more in him, all the more in him. So last week, Michael, if you remember, he talked about, I am the bread of life, the first statement, and, and today we are looking at the second statement, which is, I am the light of the world, if you hadn't guessed it already. And it's a powerful metaphor. It's really a radical, a radical claim and an incredible invitation for us. So let's just go ahead and pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. Lord Jesus, we are, we're just so grateful for this time and the space to turn our, our attentions to you, to hear from your word, to worship together. I pray that you would just soften our hearts to hear from you today. And I invite more of your Holy Spirit just to be with us. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. And would you just come and have your way? Let your kingdom come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to open up your Bibles or your apps or just read along, we're looking at John 8:12 today. And we find Jesus here nearing the end of his ministry. He's in the temple and he's in Jerusalem obviously teaching, and we read this, he said, "'When Jesus spoke again to the people, "'he said, I am the light of the world. "'Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, "'but will have the light of life.'" Now, this is a pretty powerful statement. Jesus is actually saying, guys, yeah, I am that light that has dawned, I am that light. But to first fully and truly really grasp the magnitude of this metaphor, I want to look at just the nature of light, okay, just the nature of light. See, when the Israelites heard Jesus say this, they wouldn't have known to the extent to which we do today just how incredible light really is. And I have to be honest, uh, I think I dropped out of physics. (laughs) So I kind of had to ask my husband about this one. I'm like, "Hun, can you give me a download about like, what is light? So if you guys are ready for this, it's a little physics 101, are you ready? Okay. Light is seen as something very unique and special within the physics and science communities. Now by nature, light is pure energy. It's pure energy, it's a massless photon that carries the properties of a particle yet miraculously behaves like a wave. Light is effectively the speed limit of the universe. Now we can travel the speed of sound, but light travels over 186,000 miles per second. Nothing is able to surpass the speed of light. Now there's obviously many types of light, have you heard of x-rays or radio waves, gamma rays, ultraviolet rays, infrared ray waves, microwaves? <laughs> These are all parts of the spectrum of light that the human eye cannot see. All color and depth perception is a result of our naked eye being exclusively sensitive to less than 1 1,000th of a percent of the full light spectrum. In reality, that means that 99.99% of light we can't even see. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, pretty cool. And we know that light is produced by a variety of things, friction, fire, various chemical and nuclear reactions. And there are numerous sources of light, the main one being the sun, which just happens to be so perfectly placed at just the right distance to make our planet inhabitable. (laughs) Pretty cool. So then practically, what does light actually do for us? What does it do for us? First, light. Light is a source of life. You could argue that everything in our universe is dependent on light to live and to grow. Light and life are completely interwoven. You can't have life unless you have light, and even in the process of photosynthesis, it's an illustration of that. Light is fundamental to the development of plant life and is so true for all growing things. And second, light is the source of truth and understanding. Whenever you want to examine or understand something, what do you do? You shine a light on it. You shine a light on it. Yep, and it reveals truth, doesn't it? You're able to discern and pick up not only on the color of the object, but its distance and its shape and its size You're able to observe and understand in detail when you shine a light on something. Have you ever tried to find your way through a pitch black room, but one you've not ever been used to, you haven't ever really walked into? You start smacking into things, you're tripping over stuff because you don't know and you can't see what's in your environment. Light shows us the reality of what is, right? Now, third, light is the source of joy. Psychologically, the lack of light messes with you. Daylight savings, anyone? (sighs) Too soon? Okay, no. Uh, Do you know of anyone who struggles with seasonal affective disorder? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. There's a lot of us, especially in Ohio. (laughs) What about people who live near the poles? I mean, they go weeks and weeks and weeks in darkness. I mean, we have friends that actually live in Finland, and they have a house in Germany so that they can escape the winter and actually <laughs> be in the sunlight a little bit more and get away from the darkness. Next, to really rea- really understand this metaphor, we can't just look at the nature of light, even though it's super helpful and kind of fun. we have to look at the context of this claim. So that's what I want to look at next year. In our modern ears, we hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world. And it's familiar enough that I think we kind of miss its significance. Back then, this statement wouldn't have just been shocking. It would have been downright offensive. So much so that John actually has to say later in the chapter, oh, by the way, and they didn't kill him because it wasn't his time yet. Interesting. Why was this so offensive? What was he actually saying? See, to the Jews, this statement that he was making was riveted with meaning. And to understand why, we really need to look at when and where Jesus was when he said this. The timing and the location is actually really really pivotal. Now, like I mentioned, Jesus was in Jerusalem in the temple at the time, and he'd been teaching during the Feast of the Tabernacles which was an annual week-long Jewish holiday commemorating how God took care of them as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And this was the time when God had guided them with a cloud by day, if you remember, and a pillar by night. And they were remembering how God's Shekinah glory was their guiding light. And to commemorate this, every evening, they would light four huge torches On pillars almost as tall as the walls of the temple itself. And they had large bowls of oil on top of each one that would be lit and then would stay lit all night long. It was said that you could see the light all the way from Galilee. It was so bright. It was so bright. So here we find Jesus. And he's standing right in front of these torches. You see this in chapter seven and eight. And he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And what he's saying to effect is, I'm the fulfillment of all you celebrated this week. I'm the fulfillment of that. I am the source of the light that once guided you in the wilderness. I am God. God. So we can start to understand why this would have been so offensive to the people in that day. This was blasphemy to their ears. To claim that you were God was seen as one of the greatest evils. It was a direct assault to their beliefs and their culture, especially to the Pharisees, and it's what ultimately led Jesus to the cross. But in our culture today, I would say it's not all that different. It's not all that different. Jesus's claim that he is God it's in direct competition with our own brokenness, isn't it? <laughs> Where we say, no, thank you. I think I'm the light of my own world. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to light my own path. Thank you very much. And I'm going to determine what's good for me. You know, I mean, right? Our culture says that. Our own brokenness says that, right? We don't like being told what to do. I mean, my two-year-old has a meltdown when I tell her what to do. I mean, we, do, we don't like it. And Jesus says here, uh, what does he say? I am the light of what? The world, right? The world. And when you look at that word world, it actually means systems, systems. And we get that, like governmental systems and like, you know, music systems. We've got that in our world, you know, financial systems, cultural systems. But there's also internal systems, all the compartments that make up your life. Your, your job, your family, your independence, your health, your finances, your time. He wants to be the light of the world, but he also wants to be the light of your world, amen? Yeah, Jesus is saying to us today, I don't wanna just be a small part of your world. I wanna actually be what lights it all up. I wanna surround and be in every single part of your life because then he really is our true light. Jesus is saying here, guys, I, to us, I am the source of ultimate life, of ultimate truth and understanding, of ultimate joy. I am the source of those things in your life. Not, not you, not, not your culture, not your friends, not, not the systems in this world, and not the things in your life. See, only he can bring real life real abundant life that's eternal, that's eternal. When Jesus comes close to us, when he's not just some nice idea, but he becomes an all-encompassing source of life, I I think that's when he no longer just becomes this little inspiration, but he really starts to influence our decisions and our thoughts and our, our heart attitudes that's when we start to realize that we, we are, he really is the light of our world because we start to change. We become kinder. We become more patient. We, we become less fearful. And, and just like spring, when the sun starts to hang just a little longer in the sky and everything starts to pop out of the ground and begin to grow, so does our soul when we follow Jesus, when we walk in the presence of his light. Now, lastly, to understand this metaphor, we need to look at the invitation of Jesus, the invitation of Jesus. And and in the New Living Translation of verse 12, it says it like this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Ah, that invitation, what is that? To follow him, to follow him. He is the way out of the darkness. How hopeful is that? That is so hopeful. In Isaiah 42, 16, he says, I will lead the blind by ways that they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Man, see, when Jesus says, follow me, he's not forcing us. You better follow me. You know, (laughs) it's a choice, right? It's a choice. And it doesn't mean that there won't be hard times, but what is he saying? He's saying, guys, I will not leave you or forsake you. He's inviting us to experience life in relationship with him where we're walking and we're talking with him all day long. People should hear us be talking to ourselves a little more than maybe they do. What what are you doing talking to yourself? Oh, I'm just talking to the Lord, you know. (laughs) Uh, Where we're trusting and we're depending on him, where we're submitting and, oh, that's hard, but when we're submitting and we're obeying him, When we follow him, even for the first time, and we receive him into our lives, we are filled with the light that leads to life. Well, we follow it. But what's beautiful is that's not just for our own benefit, that we're filled with light, but for others' benefit as well. Here's the second invitation. What we see in, in uh, John nine five is it says, "While I am in the world, I am the light of the world," and that's Jesus, which indicates that one day He will not always be there in person, and that one day He would send another one to be our helper, His Spirit, right, His Holy Spirit, to indwell us, that we might too be lights in this world. In Matthew five fourteen through sixteen, He actually says that He says, "You guys." you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Boy, now if I'm honest, I think some of us If we're honest with ourselves, we've got a dimmer switch on that light of ours. (laughs) And we like to turn it down when it's comfortable for us, right? You know, we become different people at work and we become different people when we're at home or we become different people when we're at school. You know, of course, when we're at church, we shine, right? You know, that's what we do. Uh, But it doesn't take long for us to start going, "Mm, maybe on Monday, I'll just, you know, I'll take it down, you know. Maybe the things that come out of my mouth, you know, don't sound as much like Christ or the attitudes of my heart or what I say and and do. Boy, I see, I, I know that it is so easy to shine when everything's good, you know, when I'm around people who also know the Lord, but boy, it's hard. When, when life it hurts, when it's difficult, when things aren't going well, when you're surrounded by people who are also complaining, to just join right in, you know, and also start complaining. But, but, but do we hide, do, should, we, should we hide our light under a bowl? I mean, what happens to a flame when it's under a bowl for too long? Yeah, it goes out, it goes out. Some of you, I would say you're there. And maybe you would say that. Yeah, like I used to be one of those on fire Christians, you know, but, but now I'm, you know, maybe because of hurt, maybe because of disappointment, maybe just because of time. You can tell that dimmer switch is almost out. It's like your flame is almost out. And it's not that you're not a Christian. It's just that you've really turned it down. You, you've hidden for some reason. And, and I just want to say to you today that God is not done with you yet and that he is not going to give up on you. And that the reason why Christ gave us his light was so that we would shine in this world, which means that each and every one of us, we've got a purpose and a role to play in the kingdom of God. And I'm sorry, but he is not done with you. And he's going to continue to complete the good work in you to the day of completion, right? And that is hopeful that he is pursuing us and that he's working on us because we need that. We need that intervention. And sometimes in our lives... So how do we practically shine our light in this world? Do we start going around singing, this little light of mine, you know, get a little... Okay, no. Okay, no, we don't want to get weird, right? But there are some just practical things that I want to end with today, three applications that I think are just practical ways to shine in this dark, dark world. So do you realize that light is more powerful than darkness. And this is just the first point here. Uh, What would it look like for us to really shine with courage in a world full of fear? What would that look like? In John 1, 4 through 5, Jesus, Jesus describes it this way. He says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, what, overcome it. Amen. Who here was afraid of the dark as a kid? Come on, yep. Okay, who here still of the dark? Yes, okay, I sure was. I sure was when I was, I was a kid. And, and why, why is that? Why are we usually afraid of the dark? I think it's because we can't see, right? We can't see, and we feel a lack of control or awareness of our surroundings. And it causes us to be afraid. And boy, that's true in lots of areas of our life. I mean, what if there really is a monster under my bed? Right? Your mind starts to really play tricks on us in the darkness, and it's easy for life to feel incredibly overwhelming, especially with a God that we cannot see with our physical eyes. But that's where faith and courage really come into play. Let's look at what David says real quickly in the Psalms. He says in Psalm 23:4, he says, "'Even though I walk through the darkest valley, "'I will fear no evil.'" for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then in Psalms 27, one, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh, those are, those are worthwhile verses to memorize. i want to just play around with an idea here. If you divided this room in half, hmm? yeah, right, right down the middle, like all the way down, all the way up, where this side of the room was just completely pitch black, okay? And this side, you guys are the lucky ones, this side of the room was completely full of light. Okay, wall, darkness, light. And if I was to come over and poke a hole right in that wall, what would happen? Would the darkness pierce the light or would the light pierce the darkness. Yeah. In the same way, when Jesus came into this world, he's the one who pierced the darkness and brought true light, the kingdom of God, God's agenda and his goodness. There was a power shift when Jesus was born on this earth. There was a power shift that happened. Something greater had arrived. The rescuer had come. And as we move toward Easter, we are moving toward that light, not just breaking in, but winning over the darkness through the cross and his resurrection. Amen. Where that dividing wall gets forever torn down, and that we have access to the source of light itself, which is God no longer any barrier between us and him because of what Jesus has done. And that is why Easter is so joyful. That's what we celebrate, that the light has come. Do you know the number one complaint of people who don't believe in God? It's that they can't see him. They can't see him. And if we're hiding our lights under a bowl or we've got the dimmer down so far, I mean, That is the reason why people can't see him. That's the reason why they can't see him. Do we fear man, right? Do we fear what other people think of us? Do we fear rejection or or a weird glance from someone? I mean, God has given us the thing that this world has and is searching for, real, real life in him. And we know that, we know that. And I think sometimes, we, we don't wanna be those Christians that are like, you know, shining a flashlight in everybody's face, you know, like, you need God, you know, and just, you know, shining it awkwardly in everybody's face. Uh, we know Christians like that, they care a lot more about exposing and judging people than just loving people where they are, amen? And Christ, well, God, he wants us to be Christ wherever we are, so that people can see God in us. And I know that's, that's a real challenge. That is a real challenge. Greg Boyd says, our central job is to not solve the world's problems. Our job is to draw our entire life from Christ and manifest that life to others. Nothing could be simpler and nothing could be more challenging. Oh, is that true? It is harder to be a light in our families in our, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our, in our schools, with people we know, with people we care about, and especially care about what they think about us, <laughs> are you shining your light with courage? With courage. So shine courageously. The second point is to shine by living with integrity. Integrity. It's not a word that we use a lot. It's such a great word. C.S. Lewis actually defines integrity like this. He says, doing the right thing even when no one is looking. No one is looking. What happens when we live just like the darkness lives? When there's nothing different about our character or how we do business or how we treat that cashier or waiter or how we wait in line or how we talk about others when they're not around? or how we complain, or how we react when we're inconvenienced. The problem is too many God-following people look way too much like the world, that there's really no distinguishable difference. In Ephesians 5, eight through 11, "'For you were once darkness, "'but now you are light in the Lord. "'Live as children of light, "'for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, "'righteousness, and truth, "'and find out what pleases the Lord.'" I love that. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And here's a tip, maybe expose it in yourself first. (laughs) Jesus is saying, live the same way when you're alone, when no one's looking, as you do in the light. Live authentically. Philippians 2:15 through 16, in uh, the message paraphrase, it says, do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. How we live should be compelling to those around us. When they see the way we handle pressure or how we take criticism, or by the way that we treat the people that work underneath us, they will see Christ shining through us. Lastly, shine by living with compassion, with compassion. 1 John 2, 9 through 10 says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. Ouch, (laughs) this is good stuff. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Boy, Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, he says, some believe it is is only great power that can hold evil in check, but that's not what I found. I have found it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay with small acts of kindness and love. Ah, that's good. That's really good. See, you do not have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be somebody you're not. You can just be you. And we can all open a door. We can all give someone a kind word, a smile, go rake their lawn or shovel their door. I mean, we can do the simple, you can sing happy birthday, can't you? Mm-hmm, yeah, started a whole ministry at my workplace just doing that. Uh, but I was able to love on people by celebrating them on their birthdays. That was a God idea, not a me idea. And God can give you your, your own ideas for how to be a light wherever you are. Creative ways that are just for you, I can't tell you how many ordinary acts of kindness and love can impact a life and show people who Jesus really is. Now, as the worship team comes back up, I want to close with a story. And I actually wasn't gonna share this, but I felt like the Lord is like, it's pertinent, share it. I'm like, okay, okay. Some of these stories are really precious to me, if you know me, <laughs> It's hard to share my stories, <laughs> but in the summer of 98, I took a three-month mission trip to the Ukraine with a Christian youth organization. And we were tasked and trained, get you, to go over there to build a church for the city with a small town, really, of Nikolaevka. And when we arrived on the scene, we realized that the church had already been built. <laughs> kind of scrambled our plans a little bit. So we were split up into three smaller teams and I was sent to uh, the city of Odessa and I was sent to the small Bible school and I was tasked with doing yard work. That's what I signed up for. (laughs) And here I was pulling weeds and trimming grass, and every single morning, the groundskeeper, who was this older babushka, uh, would come out. She didn't know a lick of English, and she would yell at me every morning. No, 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 Americanski! No, 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 Americanski! She could not believe that an American would want to come to her little Bible school and do yard work for her. It was just really hard for her. And and we did over time. We kind of had this semi-working relationship where she would tolerate me and just shake her head and then kind of smile. (laughs) I was like, okay, good. I'm getting through. I thought um, I was in the Ukraine to do these really great things for God. And all the while I realized there on my knees for just weeks and weeks that I was there to pull weeds in my own heart, that I had some humbling needed to happen in my heart, and and God, in those in those beautiful moments and interactions with the people in the Ukraine, really started to show me what it looked like to love people well, and to love people without the sense of superiority or the savior complex, but out of a place of realizing, you know what, my Jesus, He loved people on His hands and knees too. You know, He, he cleaned the feet of His disciples, and He you know ate with sinners and and he healed the sick and, and he came to display the goodness of God himself to all people. And in Luke four eighteen, Jesus says this of himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and, and to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you've got everything you need to shine Christ's light in this world. You do not need to know a bunch of scriptures. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need uh, to be an extrovert even or feel like you have this great calling. Just be you, just be you. Just start loving, loving people with Jesus's kind of love right where you are and live authentically, live authentically, not perfectly, okay, but with integrity in the light and live courageously in the face of fear. Show people what it's like to have God in you, where you are not afraid of the things that they are afraid of because you have Christ with you. See, I think it's because we know and have experienced the truth and the reality of Jesus in our lives that we can really be lights, in this world, because we know, we know that he has and he will overcome. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.